was reading and studying things as well. And it really felt like the Lord laid on my heart to talk about peace and, and this, this beauty and this, this understanding of God's peace in our life, especially in the times that we're in, but also understanding and knowing too um, that these times that we're in today are really nothing new under the sun. That they are, in a sense, just remnants of something that's always just been there since the fall of man. If that makes sense to you guys. Like, the world we live in is a broken world. And there are broken individuals with sinful hearts. And these things are just going to come about. And I am going to put Kenny out there on blast right now because... And coming in today, I'm sitting there and I was reading the word before we came over here. Jelaine came over early and she decorated the Christmas tree and I love her for doing that. I'm at home with Dax. Dessa was with, with Val and Cadence last night and I was just Dax and I and I'm down. I'm reading the word and God had laid on my heart this speaking about his peace. And when I come in, Kenny lays some stuff on me that was just a confirmation of what I needed to speak about today to you guys. And a message of encouragement and, you know, even aligning, if you will, the Holy Spirit and, and the gifts of the Spirit into this. But, you know, so often we as individuals, and I don't just speak of people of the world. I, I speak of people that are, are of the saved, the, the church, the, the children of God, that we so often can put ourselves in these dangerous places today. And I've said to you guys this, that if, if I was to do a course on the will of God on your life, that the orientation, the prerequisite course, the opening theme of that course would be to live in today. The, the God's will, first and foremost, for us as Christians is to make sure that we are parked in today. Knowing and understanding, however, that we live in today to give him glory and it's for a day we're vesting in that's yet to come. But that the most peaceful way that we can live as Christians is by living in today. And, and where I think that we as people can be put in these dangerous places today, and I speak to you guys not only just from personal experience, but you know, when, when you are speaking to families, let's say, who have lost a loved one because the loved one saw no value in today and decided to take their own life. And I, I know I've hit on this with you guys a, a little bit in the past, but this dangerous mindset that we get where we either can't let go of yesterday or we're very anxious about tomorrow, which then leaves today like a free-for-all for our thoughts, for our anxiety, right? The word says not to be anxious about anything. When I think of anxiety, I told Jelaine, I said, if I think of anxiety, anxiety is used energy on a day that's not even here yet. Right? Like we are focused and thinking about stuff that isn't even here. And our energy is getting burned out today when our energy should be used for today and the things of today. And how we're called as Christians to cling to Jesus not even just daily, but every moment of our life. He is the true vine. We are a branch and we are called to simply cling to him in anything and everything that we do daily. But where even I find it with Christians where we can slip up, where we no longer hold our thoughts captive, right? 
is when we are either living in tomorrow or we are still hinged and stuck to yesterday, right? Now, how many of you experience that? Or sometimes the, the weight of maybe your identity in the world just seems to still, in a sense, like it, it's still clinging to your back a little bit. Or you just can't even begin to understand how tomorrow will play out. So you are anxious beyond all get out. And then your peace in today is completely gone. Nice peace in tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Last night I happened <laughs> And sometimes I think the enemy gets you to thinking like that. That's exactly right. here I am, ready to go to bed. I'm exhausted, tired. All of a sudden, I start thinking about the accident. And I haven't. Right. Praise God, I haven't thought about that and everything. So then I start thinking about all that and everything I've been through. You know what I did? I just really kind of took authority over my mind. And I turned over in bed, and I go, that's behind me. In there you Jesus go. Name. There you go. And then I fell asleep. And those are the things that <laughs> and I shared a little bit with Kenny today, and I want to share it with you guys. Is For me, and, and, and God ministering to me, especially in the last few months, I don't know if you guys, hopefully you guys recall, um, hopefully you don't admit to this, a couple of months ago when we went through the book of Colossians, right? We, we spoke about Christian households and and things like that, that even me as a pastor and being up here and I've read through God's word and, and I'll never forget coming across this passage in Colossians about praying for the Lord to grant Paul an open door to speak the mystery to people and to make it plain to them as he should do. And I sat and I thought about that with my own life. And I know I've, I've spoke to you guys a lot about my job and things like that and, and, and in the position that I'm in. My job just in scope and what it is is a job that holds weight because you're dealing with people that are in some pretty tough situations. But then also the environment and the people that I work around as well can be tough, right? I sit there and I, I think about you guys. I don't just think about your jobs. I think about family. I think about friends, right? The people that you're around that can just be tough. Like maybe they don't believe what you believe in. And, and that's kind of the, the, the idea that I'm hitting at here with my job is, is I found myself in a place and a position even with my job where I started to look at it through my own eyes. I was kind of in a sense getting anxious about tomorrow. I was focusing a little bit about yesterday. And then today I was looking at stuff through my own flesh and my heart and decisions and choices I should be making for myself even maybe even petitioning to the Lord to kind of see things my way, right? How often do we do that? We want God to kind of see things our way. Like, you know, I know you're God, but just, I mean, if we look at this practically, this is what's going. So what I begin to do is, is I, I start and I, I start to go down and literally go through this wormhole of, of things where I'm like, okay, I'm here, I'm a Christian. People here already look at me in a way that's weird and like I'm an oddball. And I really don't feel like I'm seeing a lot of the, the finished product of my ministry to these people. I'm speaking God's word, I'm doing this, but I've developed an expectation on maybe what that should look like at this point, right? Like, God, I'm living it out. I, Lord knows I desire you and I want to have passages on my, my work wall when people walk in. They see it and all that. My Bible's laid out in front of my computer. You know, I speak about Jesus to people. I want to openly just like run at them with the word. 
but it just doesn't seem like those seeds are hitting any good soil. And I know I speak to the church about, okay, I don't know how the seed's going to germinate, God. You're still doing something, but I still am looking at it through my own eyes. Like, Lord, I, I know that you put me here for a reason. And I shared with Kenny this, this truth, and I, I probably have shared it with some of you, that when, when I was writing for a supplement company and that job was done, I had offers to have jobs that paid a lot more money than where I'm at right now. A lot more money. My, my education um, allotted me to have an opportunity to do that. It would require me to travel more, to be away from family more. That would have been a struggle and a tough thing for me. But I had this, this health agency gig that was literally right down the road that, in all honesty, for, for this, the education that I have, right, by the world's terms to look at it, doesn't pay a lot of money. I could go somewhere else that doesn't require a high school or a college education that could pay me just as much or even sometimes more. But I went to prayer with my wife. I submitted to him. I said, Lord, okay, I see these jobs over here. And by my eyes and my flesh, they look like they should be the ones that I should take. But I always want to just be in accordance to you. I want to do what you're calling me to do. I want to go where you want me to go. And he laid on my heart, and my wife got confirmation as well that I was to take this health agency gig. Didn't pay much, right? He even required me to drive and travel. I had a beat-down car at the time, so I'm like, okay. But you know what? It's an extension of ministry. I get to deal with people that are in some tough places. I get to show them Jesus, right? I don't have to just sit behind a desk all the time. I actually get to get out there and be with some people that are in some hard situations, stuff that I enjoy actually doing. Then as time goes on, you get tired. You know what I mean? That balance of work and ministry and ministry being in your work and all those fun things. And all of a sudden, you start to question stuff. But then, lo and behold, in March of this year, what takes place? COVID-19. Pandemic. If I would have taken any one of those other jobs... I wouldn't have been working right now. I wouldn't have been able to provide for my family. So in taking that position and that job, looking back now, once again, it, it doesn't always need to make sense in the, in the time being, in real time. God will reveal things to you over time. But in doing that and looking at it, I look back and I'm like, praise God that I took this job because I've interacted and talked to people that were in other positions that were offered to me and they're in places of struggle right now. So God then really just quickened my heart to stop and go, you need to recognize the blessings and the provisions that I've given you and understand and know that I got you. Like, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't keep thinking about yesterday. Be with me here today. And once again, in speaking this to you guys, I want you guys to go to the book of Philippians, if you will, open up your Bibles. And I want this to be a word for you guys, not just for the week, not for the day. I just want this to maybe even be your guys' go-to. I want you guys to be in the word. I, I always do. I call for you guys to do that, but memorize this if you can speaking it not only over yourself but your families it's book of philippians chapter 4 
And we are going to start off at verse 4 in chapter 4 of Philippians. And right out the gate, the way that Paul emphasizes this word rejoice. Like, there's so much in this for us as Christians to park ourselves in daily. Like, rejoice in the Lord always. What does he do in the very next sentence? I will say it again. Rejoice. So he's letting you know to rejoice in the Lord always. Not just when times are good. Not just when times are bad. But always. And he's emphasizing it to you again by saying, I will say it again. Rejoice. Exclamation point. Like, I don't want you guys to just rejoice and just go on. Taylor, just always rejoice in the Lord. Like, rejoice. Exclamation point. Say it again to yourself. Like, rejoice. Actually, here, this is what we're going to do. We have a small crowd. I'm going to count to three. I want you guys to yell, rejoice. Can we do that? Or are we going to be a little shy and a little, we're going to yell it. Because I think what the world needs to see is the children of God rejoicing. Rejoicing, even in the midst of the stuff that we have going on, stuff that has always been present and around, and we have these remnants of sin and remnants of brokenness going on around us right now, we still are called to rejoice and rejoice always. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys a couple of shots here. I'm gonna count to three. You guys are gonna yell rejoice. Everyone's sitting there just like, okay. How loud is everyone else going to be? I'm going to gauge my loud. No, I want you guys to yell it. One, two, three. Rejoice! We can go a little bit louder. Okay. One, two, three. Rejoice! There you go. This is a word that, to me, you almost can't say without sounding happy. Like, if you say rejoice and sound like, I'm going to sound old here, a fuddy-dud. I don't know what that is. But if you say that word and sound that way, you shouldn't be saying it. Like, you need to say it with a smile on your face. You can go up to a person, another brother or sister in Christ, rejoice. Like, rejoice. Regardless of if, if you're in a valley or on top of a hill, you're called to simply rejoice. And rejoice always in the Lord. And that's a message that I think we need to hear and remind ourselves of daily as Christians. Because I think as we'll go on through this passage, we lose that sense of rejoice easily with everything that we have going on around us. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Does it say let your gentleness be evident to those who are gentle to you? Let your gentleness be evident to... Other Christians, let your gentleness be evident to all. And, you know, we've been speaking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I was also parked in John 3 in this beautiful story where Nicodemus, a member of the, San, the Sanhedrin and a Pharisee, came up to Jesus. He, he went to Jesus secretly in the night because he was wanting to ask this person he addressed as rabbi giving him the respect and admonishment, knowing that he's come from God. 
right? But he didn't want his, his boys to know that he was going to do this because they knew that they wouldn't like that. But he's, he's heard Jesus speak. Jesus just gets, ton, just gets done in John chapter 3 here, clearing out the temple, purifying the temple, right? You guys hear the story of him flipping tables. He makes whips with a cord and starts whipping people and all that stuff. Like Jesus does this. And Nicodemus is simply a witness to it. And I've talked to you guys about maybe going up to people and ministering to people, sharing testimonies, speaking to them about the Lord. Do you guys ever stop and think, though, that maybe it's not the person you're talking to directly that you're actually witnessing to, but it could be the person that's listening to the conversation? We forget that a lot as Christians, even with the things that we say outside of speaking to them about God. Sometimes we get comfortable in our environment and where we're at, and we just go off and start speaking about whatever we want to speak about, not really realizing or understanding that we, even as we sit in the places that we're at, are still witnesses to God and his gentleness and his Holy Spirit. Jesus lays out for Nicodemus purposely, talking to him about the Spirit. He goes, you and I can't see the wind, right? We, we don't see it. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it starts, where it's going, but we feel it. We hear it. And Jesus says that's the same thing about the Spirit. We don't need to see the Holy Spirit. We live out the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us needs to be evident to the world around us. And so often if we just get consumed with the fact that I'm sitting here talking to Valerie, but I'm not even considering that Jesse and Amber are right there. We can be improper witnesses to those two because I'm so concerned about making sure what I'm talking to her about. We forget that. We forget that it's in my gentleness to Val that I'm witnessing to Jesse and Amber. I'm not just witnessing to Valerie. I had this awesome story take place this last week at work when I finally understood and saw that God says in the book of Colossians where, where Paul is saying, Lord, I pray for an open door to speak the mystery to those and to speak it plainly as the way that I should. I sat there and I go, that is like world rocking to me. Because wait a minute, God, you're telling me that it's not just that I go up to Carmen and Nikki and I just start reading the word to them and yelling and screaming stuff and all that. Well, remember, in my word, I say to keep pace with the Spirit. I will posture and position you in ways that I need you to be postured and positioned to give me glory. So don't get reckless necessarily in what you're doing. I will guide you in even how the seed sowing looks to these individuals because I've made these individuals myself. They might not know me, but I still created them. So I sat back and I thought about that. Like, I'm actually supposed to go to the Lord in prayer about getting an open door to presenting the word to people and also having discernment on how to go about doing it. So I instantly just started putting that into practice. What's the first thing that I can do as a Christian? The first thing that I can do as a Christian to express my faith to these individuals that don't know God? I can live it. I can let my gentleness be evident to all. And I hear that at work a lot from people. There's this like running joke in my office that nothing rattles Josh. I got at the all staff meeting a couple years ago, the, the poised and composed award. 
Like my boss went up there like, we've had some crazy stuff take place in our office. There's people that have called and done that. We've had people yelling and, and Josh is just calm. And what it does to everyone else around is it does what? Makes them calm. And I like to think at home that I try to represent that. The kids make jokes about their mom being nuts and all that. And Josh can stand there kind of. And there's times where I get a little loud and can, you know, be put outside of that. But when doo-doo's hitting the fan, I want to be the calm. Amen, Mav. I got that on tape. But I try to at least make sure that if it not be my words, it be my actions. And I really started to put that to practice. Like, I'm like, okay, God, I get it. It's not about just me going out and showing what I know of the word. And yeah, I can, I can minister to people. I can answer all these questions, these tough questions, right? I can do all those things. But remember, it says in the book of James, like, we're called to have a faith that's alive, not a dead faith. Like, I want to show you that I wear Jesus by what I do and how I act, what I, what I say, how I speak, how I compose myself. I want that to be evident to everyone that I'm around. There's one woman that I work with that has asked me some amazing questions about God. She struggles a lot with stuff. But in me, I would like to think in keeping my composure and, and being calm, quick to listen. Listening's a skill. I'll tell you that now. A lot of you can agree to that. Listening is not something that you just acquire. Listening is a practice skill. How many of you talk to people that you just know they're only hearing you, just waiting for you to shut up so they can start talking? Right? But that doesn't mean that you return the favor and do the same thing. Because then all you got is two people just talking at each other and not talking to each other. And I want to make sure that when I sit down with a person that doesn't believe what I believe, that I'm really trying to listen to what they're saying. Right? Like if I, I'm going to digress here a little bit. If I ask you the question, if God is so loving, why does he allow horrible things to happen in this world? What question are you really hearing in that? Why did God let me down? Why did God allow something like this to happen to me? Someone told me this, but God allowed this to take place. See, that's what I hear when I hear a question like that. Or maybe someone they knew. You know what I mean? So they're asking a question with a certain face on it, but there's something else behind it. So I like to have those conversations. But anyways, this individual, I walk into the office and she sits down and she's like, there's something I want to show you. I said, okay, not knowing what it is and could be a report or something. She reaches down in her bag and she pulls out a Bible from her great, great, great uncle that was dated 1865. And she got emotional and she's opening it and there's four leaf clovers peppered throughout it. It's so old that the chapters are in Roman numerals and that made me feel kind of dumb because I'm like, okay, what is Leviticus B-I-L-X? But I'm sitting there and I'm like, and I look at her and it was like God revealing to me, child, once again, you don't know what I'm doing in these people. You're just called to be evidence, a testimony of me to them, not in just the words that you speak, 
but in how you act. And that just put me in a place of like complete and utter peace. And now at my job, when I go in there, I I literally walk in, I sit down at my desk, I have my word open, I'm going through Proverbs right now where I read a proverb every morning, a chapter of Proverbs, and I sit there and I, I go, Lord, I get even more and more every day why Jesus teaches us to pray the way that he does. Like, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, this daily bread. Not this monthly bread, not this weekly bread, not bread from yesterday because I didn't get to eat it yesterday, so I really like a double portion today. I need bread for for next month because I know next month's going to be horrible and I need you to fill today. Because tomorrow has junk of its own. Today, God, this is where you've put me, is where I'm at today. And there's a peace in that, that I don't need to understand what's going on around me. That's the peace that God instills in our hearts as Christians. And we need to make that evident to not just other Christians or people that just are peaceful and gentle to us. We have to make it evident to all. And how do we do that? We rejoice. We rejoice always, always in the Lord. He goes, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I love that because he's letting us know, like, Jesse, if if we're planted and postured in a position of thanksgiving, right, if we're put in this position of just rejoice and this thing, this position of understanding his grace and, and just all of him, that our prayers will be even aligned according to his will. So no longer do we find ourselves praying like, man, I wish Jason would stub his toe when he walks out of church because that dude bugs me. Lord, let Jason stub his toe. Like people pray for stuff like this. I don't want you to stub your toe, Jason. <laughs> don't stub your toe. But when we, we look at this and we think this, like so often we take our prayers and our, peti- our petitions to God. And I spoke about this a little bit last week, that when we don't understand or we're confused about the will of God, we find ourselves then praying for things that can be in contradiction of what he wants for our life, right? We find ourselves praying for things that aren't in accordance to what he wants because we're so just in this place of, I don't get it. I don't understand why I'm here. And the reason why that's a hard place to venture from is because your mind is in tomorrow or it's stuck in yesterday. Because what we look at is, is okay, if I'm parked here today, that means it's naturally going to put me in a certain place tomorrow. And I'm all about teaching you guys to be practical, understanding that you reap what you sow. But you guys have to understand and know that faith isn't always just not believing or in believing in what's not seen. Faith is also sometimes not believing in what's in front of your face. God has this amazing way of putting you in places and positions that you may not understand today, but over time, its purpose and its value starts to reveal itself. And you stop and you go, 
oh my gosh, I get it. And when I look at it from the macro side of things, like when we enter into glory with God, this is a way that, that I always try to express to people too that have gone through some horrific things in life. They, they've had something take place in their life that they just don't understand. And you try to sit there and you tell them, you know, you, you listen to them, you rejoice with those who rejoice, you mourn with those who mourn, but you know as a Christian and a child of God that there is no millisecond of their life that doesn't have some kind of eternal significance or value. And when you see people pass away that you know love the Lord, you know that they are up there and they have the eyes of Christ now and they finally get it. That they can look back throughout their life, that God grants them with that peace to look at their life and go, I get it. I didn't always get it when I was down there on earth, but I get it now. And that's a day that we should strive as children of God to come and see. Because I know many of you sit here in these pews today and you still, I don't get it. I don't understand why I went through what I went through. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through now. All God's letting you do is, or letting you know is you have to rejoice in me always. Daily seek me out. Understand my, my peace that I've given you. Understand the, the grace that I've given you and let that be evident to everyone that's around you. Because there's a formula here that Paul lets us know, too, about acquiring peace. And it's a beautiful thing that he says, and it makes much sense. And the peace of God, so when he says, let present your request to God, and the peace of God, this is an awesome, awesome thing that you can speak over anyone. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Like, I don't know if you guys know what a good word is. That's a good word. I don't care who you are. Like, that's a powerful thing to say to someone that doesn't know peace. Guys, if I want to bring someone to tears, even people that don't know God, these people that strive, and, you know, we've, we've been able to try to bless some people of the church, you know, people outside of the church this holiday season, and... You sit there and you, 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 you give people maybe these monetary gifts or these materialistic gifts. And a lot of the times people may say back to you, well, I don't really need anything. Well, yeah, you do. Well, what? You need peace? Lord knows you strive for balance every day, right? And we convince ourselves sometimes, especially men, that, that you know, we got to achieve this balance in our life. We can be awesome at trying to acquire balance, but if we lack peace, there's nothing ever there. And I speak as a man, too, that peace is a very hard thing to come by on our own might. Men struggle with peace. It's the very component of sometimes why we don't let go of yesterday, right? The things we used to be able to do yesterday, and will I be able to accomplish this tomorrow and feel this sense of validity? There's no peace. It is a shaky foundation to operate from. But if you have the peace of God in you, it means that everything around you could be going to pot, like just messed up. You're not rattled by it. I don't need to understand this stuff. I got God in me. I got his peace in me. I want to make that evident to you Another person that may struggle with peace. 
You think this will give you peace? You think this job? You think this money? You think this relationship? You think that's not going to give you peace. The only one that gives you peace is God. A peace that's so powerful, you don't have to understand anything going on around you except that God's peace lives in you. Now, once again, as a man, that's an amazing thing for me to hear, to rest on, to hold fast to, to pray about, to meditate on. God, I just want your peace. I think we shared a couple weeks ago, this one pastor shared a video or a photo of like these waves crashing around and all this, this crazy like picture of the ocean and or like the shoreline of the ocean. The skies are dark. There's lightning, all these boats. It looks like they're like about to capsize and the waves are smashing the rocks and all that. And you can look at this photo and instantly just get lost in the apparent chaos that's going on. But if you look in the background of this photo, there's a bird perched on a rock, not moving, just standing there. That is a representation of God's peace. And when you are pulled outside of that peace, if you read what Paul's sitting here saying, it says that his peace transcends all understanding and will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let's indirectly look at this. If you don't rest in God's peace, you then are going to fight to try to understand what's going on, which then will indirectly what? Tell the guards to go on break of your mind and heart. And now your minds and heart are completely susceptible to the attacks of everything going on around you. You are now getting smashed by every wave that's coming in. You are now buying into everything that's being said. You're seeking and trying to find answers to questions you don't understand when God the whole time is just standing there going, I should be your peace. You're losing it. You're losing it. You're losing it in ways that you're not even recognizing. You're losing it in ways to the way that you're showing yourself to other people. The words that you speak, the relationships that you're breaking. You're losing it now to where you don't even want to hear loving rebuke back to you or correction from people that care for you saying, listen, you're going astray in this. You want to separate yourself from people. I deal with that a lot. Like I love people so much that I want to approach them and say, I'm concerned. I just do it because I love them. He's wanting you to understand and know that if you don't rest in his peace, you're going to seek understanding in places that you shouldn't be going. And if you want to go back once again to what I said about all this being a remnant of something that's been present since the beginning, do you remember the story of Adam and Eve in the garden? The fruit looked tempting, right? Pleasing to the eye. And then his mom said, Long comes a serpent. You want to understand some stuff? You want to know stuff like God knows stuff? Take a bite. It's the same trick. Same trick the devil's been playing throughout history with people. We just have a different face to it today. 
And it's just playing itself out around us. He's trying to trip us up with new ways and new things, but he's using, once again, just the same foundational trick. Trying to pull us away from God's peace so we seek our own understanding, which then leaves our minds and our hearts completely vulnerable to the world around us. When Jesus Christ says to us, I will guard your minds and hearts. And a lot of you sit here today, I know, your minds and hearts are getting the crap kicked out of them. Am I right? Finally, I love this, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, do you want to know what to say, how to speak, what to do, all this stuff? Paul's letting you know, whatever's true, okay? Whatever's true. I know Google presents a lot of things out there that claims to be truth. I'm letting you know, you stick to God's word on this, okay? Because he's going to align it more here. Whatever's true, how can we look at what's true? Whatever's noble, right? How do we look at what's noble? Whatever's right. Once again, I know you can go to stuff to say what's right, what's wrong. But how do we know what that is? Well, whatever's pure. Whatever's pure. Whatever is lovely, word that Jesse and I love to use. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. I love this because it makes me think back when Paul says, I believe it's in Colossians, it isn't a matter of it being whatever. Is it destructive or is it constructive? Okay, I I, I always think of that before I say certain things. If if what I'm saying to this person that's a believer or non, is it something that really is just breaking down or is it something that in a sense is building up? Because so often we can sit there and go, well, I know this is truth and I know this is right. We can speak it in a manner, in a way that really does nothing but destruction. He says, out of all these things, we're just think about them. Think about them. How often do we think about such things? Or how often do we, our unguarded minds, think about other things that we have no business thinking about? We have no business thinking about it. It pulls us away from God's peace. And people sit there, well, how do you know that that's something I should? Do you feel at peace? That's a big thing for me. Do you feel at peace with the things that you're watching, the things that you are listening to, the things that you're reading? Do you feel a peace in you when you venture into these things? I think I do. Well, your evidence of that is not on display. Your gentleness to those around you, not on display. These are things that you can always go back to a person and sit there. It's not me condemning you. It's you, in a sense, convicting and condemning yourself. I don't have to sit here and drop the gauntlet on you and say, well, you're doing it. No, let's look at your life. Let's look at what you're doing. Let's look at how you're living, what you're, you're expressing to those around you. And then you just leave it on the person to look at that. And those are the things that God calls for us to bring to him and honesty, and repentance, and say, okay, this is a struggle for me, instead of staying parked in it and trying to justify it. Whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me, or seen in me, Paul is letting you know, he has such trust 
and such admonishment for the Lord that he believes in what he's showing and expressing is not only in accordance and alliance with the gospel, it's in accordance and alliance just in completely with God's word. And he's letting you know, whatever you've heard from me or seen from me, put it into practice. Once again, showing it. We got to put it into practice. We have to display it. We have to make it evident to the people around us. This is stuff, once again, guys, I'm letting you know, this is what the Lord laid on my heart even more so. I'm thinking, man, I'm hitting this out of the park. Uh Uh-uh. God's like, no, you got work to do as well. I put you in this harvest field, but guess what? The ministry wasn't to the other people around you. Child, the ministry was for you. I'm doing this for you to give me glory, but guess what? It's also for your good. How do you go out there and witness to people if you just end up getting tired about the people who are around you because they're not displaying what you want them to display? It's not about you. It's about me. You're just a means of my glory to the people around you. But there's this beautiful thing that he says here. And the God of peace will be with you. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. When I read that, you guys want to know how to get into God's peace, how to, to daily acquire his peace? Is to practice it yourself. Practice it yourself. We can sit all day and pray for his peace to come over us, right? And I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I pray it over people like God's peace rest and reign on them. The Bible also says we reap what we sow. So, maybe you can go out and pray for peace all you want. But if you're going out there wreaking havoc with people around you, how much peace are you going to get coming back to you? These are just the two plus two equal fours of the Bible. You want peace? Display it. Doesn't mean that if I go to vow in a peaceful manner, the vow comes back to me in a manner that's peaceful. I know that in displaying and exercising and putting into practice that peace, the Holy Spirit then will instill me with more peace and how to respond to her buttheadedness of the world. You're not a butthead. I love you. But do you know what I'm saying? But we don't do that often as Christians. We've forgotten that. We just sit there and think that it's just going to happen. It's just going to be. It's just going to go and do. No. The Holy Spirit is so powerful. We're called to have obedience to the Lord. Who do you think you go to to even pray for that obedience? Holy Spirit, you go to God. You need to go to him for the obedience he calls for you to be obedient to him with. Like it's always God in everything that we do. So if you're out there in whatever way, shape or form displaying things that are not of peace of God, if you're not making it evident, Paul's sitting here saying, don't be surprised, child of God, if you don't have a peace inside of you about a situation that you're in. And it doesn't mean that you won't struggle. It does not mean that. I'm speaking to you guys for my testimony. But it's in those moments that God reveals himself to you to show you what? Not that you're an invalid Christian, 
But he reminds us in these beautiful ways that guess what? Don't get full of yourself. You need me. You need me every day. You need me every moment of your life to be able to do this. You do. And the minute you stray away from that is the minute you will lose peace. So I just wanted to speak that over you guys today and hopefully the people even listening to this because I know it's a message that isn't just timely for today. It's a message that, guys, I want you guys to carry on with you in every facet of your life. Whatever you're a part of, whatever role you're in, whatever you're doing in, in your life throughout the week, throughout the day, young people, whatever, God's peace, there's no peace like it. There isn't. Our lives are a testimony of that because how often have we strived and ran towards things that we thought would bring us peace just to find out they did everything but. Amen? Amen. I love you guys. You guys have a good week.